some great news for you this morning and that is that God's ways of doing things are far higher and very different from the world's way of doing things. So I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we can, we can put our trust in God today. He has got great plans for you and more than that, He is building, God is building a kingdom that is beyond description in human terms, that is so incredible and amazing and glorious Beyond our understanding. We've been singing about this in some of our songs this morning. Uh, many of you know that, the, uh, that author, the author Stephen Covey, he's famous for his book, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm sure many of you would have read that book. And he's, uh, in there, one of the chapters goes, um, uh, begin with the end in mind. Uh, it's, it's become a bit, of a, a bit of a saying, a famous saying. But you know what? He didn't invent that. He didn't invent the concept God's been doing that for millennia. He's been doing that since the beginning of time, always starting with the end in mind of what he really wanted to do. And I want to read a scripture to you this morning. I want you to <coughs> share with me this verse from Romans chapter 8 that really helps us to understand that God has a process in place for what he's doing in our lives, in your life and in my life. Let's read it together. So God knew them before he... Now he's talking about the people that are responding to God, the people that are part of God's plan. So God knew them before he made the world. He chose them to be like his son, Jesus, so that Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. God planned for them to be like his son. And those he planned to be like his son, he also called them. And those he called, he also made them right with him. He's not asking you to pull yourself up by your own bootlaces. He's saying he's done the work. He made you right with him. Don't you love that? You know, you don't have to struggle and strain. I've got to be the best I can be because it says God, he made you right with him. And those he made right, he also glorified. Now, that's a pretty big word, glorified. To be glorified with God or, you know, to be really, to share in his glory. We're going to talk about it a bit later on. But that's the ultimate. So when God says, you know, when I said God begins with the end in mind, the end is that he wants to bring you into his glory, that you would share in his glory. Now, that's actually a really awesome kind of a thing if we can get our head around it. What I'd like to do is go over that again and you just put your own name in there. Put your own name in there. So just say, you know, God knew me before he made the world. And he chose me to be like his son. So that Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. God planned for me to be like his son. And because of that, he called me. And because he called me, he also made me right with him. And because he made me right with him... Ultimately, I will be glorified with him. You know, that's incredible if we can get that. But what the point I want to make here this morning, friends, is, is that this is a process. There's a sequence here. There's a process. There's a lot of steps in the process. You can see there's six different things there mentioned in that uh, right from the very beginning, right through to God's ultimate purpose and plan for your life. God has a process in mind. Beginning before time began with the ultimate end that we would 
share in his glory. So the steps, you know, when when you think about a process, it could take some time. Uh, There might be challenges along the way. But God is always focused on the end result. And so I think that's something that we can take hold of today and really be blessed by. Okay, so how does it happen? This is what I want to share with you this morning. How does that process take place? The first thing is this, friends, today, that God often starts with what is the least qualified or what is not accepted by people or what is, what is rejected or what is, you know, um, what is the least. God often starts with what we wouldn't consider to be the best material to work with. You know, I was thinking about this. Sometimes I've had a lot to do with building over the years, building houses and things like that. And, and uh, you know, people make statements like, Oh, a house is only as good as its foundation or, or, it, or the house, it's as good as the materials you use. You know what? That's true. In the natural sense, of course that's true. You build something and use substandard materials, um, it's going to be a substandard kind of a job. You know, I've had a, a bit to do with engineering as well over the years and, and it, that's very much the case. Um, but you know what? God doesn't work that way because he started with you and me and you and I were probably pretty substandard when God started. We, we weren't great in God's sight. We were ordinary. And what happens is God comes in, he takes hold of you, and he makes you something great. That's what this is all about today, what I want to share with you. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Notice among yourselves, dear brothers, that few of you who follow Christ have big names or power or wealth. Instead, God has deliberately chosen to use ideas the world considers foolish and of little worth in order to shame those people considered by the world as wise and great. Why does he do it? If you read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, So that no one can glory in themselves. That's, God. That's the reason why God is doing this. The reason why he starts off with materials that you know, the world might reject is because he doesn't want us to be full of ourselves. I'm not going to ask anyone to put up your hand if you're feeling a bit full of yourself today. But, but God wants us to glory in him. Or he wants us to celebrate him. He wants us to, to praise and worship him. Because <laughs> he can handle it, okay? We, we struggle. You know, you want to test someone's heart. You know, don't, don't make them fail. Just give them wealth, give them success, give them prosperity. That's what tests people's heart. You know, but God can handle all the praise we give him. He's God and we're not. And so, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want us to glory in ourselves. He wants us to glory in him. So the Bible is a panorama of people and events that were less than perfect and then God intervened and made them amazing made them powerful, made them successful, made them prosperous. That's because God came into their world. I want to give you some examples this morning. Firstly, from the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul said, when it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, God called this guy Paul. He was religious. He knew all the Old Testament. He knew all the laws of God. He, he, was, uh, he had a very good pedigree in terms of his, you know, his uh, upbringing and his training. And Paul had it all together, but he didn't know God personally. He hadn't met Jesus. He had no personal relationship and connection with the loving God that made him. 
It was all in his head. It was all about legalism. It was all about you've got to do this and you've got to do that and maybe God might approve of you. Paul, he said, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians when it came to sharing the message about Jesus. So God saw to it that I was equipped, but you can be sure it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. So here I am, preaching and writing about things way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. Paul was talking about all the things that God had done in his life, what meeting Jesus had done for him. It wasn't about his education or his upbringing or his pedigree or whatever, his achievements. It wasn't any of those things. Okay, let's go back to the Old Testament, look at some other examples. And I was, I was thinking about this during the week. Many of you know the story of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and God promised to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and you know, I'm going to make you, make you famous and so on. <coughs> so his grandson Jacob, Jacob had a few problems. Well, actually had, I think, quite a few problems. And, and so Jacob was always in trouble, even with his own family. He got into a lot of trouble. He had to leave home because of his, he couldn't keep his mouth shut, you know, and he couldn't, he just, he kept putting his foot in it. And um, he, he, had to, he had to leave home, like suddenly. He left and went a long way away to stay with his uncle Laban, this guy called Laban. And when Jacob got there, he had nothing because he left like in a hurry. And he got there, he had nothing. He probably had a, you know, a sandwich wrapped up in a handkerchief or something and stuck over his shoulder with a stick. I don't know. He had nothing when he got there, penniless. And he worked for Laban for 14 years for the privilege of becoming part of Laban's family. And so... Uh, but after the 14 years, Laban says to Jacob, well, maybe I should start paying you something, which is a bit ordinary after 14 years. But uh, if you read the story, Laban, he was a crook. This guy, he was, he was a swindler. And Jacob was, you know, one step above that. Um, so anyway, so, so, Jacob, so Laban says to Jacob, what, what would you like? How can I pay you? And Jacob says, uh, give me all these streaked and spotted and speckled sheep and goats from the flock. So I'll know that will be my wages, you know. And then um, you can keep all the ones, all the, all the nice clean ones that everybody wants. I'll take the ones that nobody wants. <laughs> and then it says that that very day, Laban separated all those streaked and spotted and speckled ones and took them away three days distance so that Jacob wouldn't get any. That's how much of a crook he was. But anyway, what happened is God spoke to Jacob and said, Jacob, I promise to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And you know what? Within a few years, all of the, all of the flock that Laban had were producing spotted and speckled and, and, and streaked lambs and goats. And Jacob had become incredibly wealthy because of that, because God was blessing him. Let's read what, actually, I'm not going to read it, but it says, if you read it in um, uh, Genesis chapter 30, it says, Jacob had become very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys, because God did that. God did that. He started off with what no one wanted, and then he made him wealthy, very wealthy, because God had a plan to bless and prosper Jacob. What about uh, Ruth? Some of you know the story of Ruth in the Bible. She was from a nation that had a heritage of pagan religious worship, completely the opposite of God. They knew nothing of the living God and, and the, the loving, true God. They knew nothing of that. 
And somehow or other, through some unusual circumstances, Ruth married into a family of God's people. And then all of a sudden, her destiny was completely changed. She became part of you know, the lineage of Jesus. She became part of the right in the very center of God's plan and purpose for the ages. What an amazing thing that God does that. He doesn't just depend on our pedigree and our heritage and everything that we have. He says, I'm going I'm to make something great out of your life. What about this one? Uh, Jesse, one of the, uh, the characters from the Old Testament. The time came when it was, there was about to be a king appointed for the nation of Israel. And, and so the prophet Samuel says to Jesse, I want you to come and uh, bring all your sons before me because I'm going to find one of them will be the new king for Israel. So Jesse brings his sons before Samuel and he goes right down the line through every one of them and none of them was Je- – God wasn't saying anything. It's like, no, 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 not you, no, not, not, not right, not, not, not. And, Je- and Samuel says, isn't there anyone else? And Jesse says, well, well this, yeah, yeah, yes, there's one more but he's out looking after the sheep. We didn't bother to bring him because we didn't think he, – he, he wasn't in the right place for a promotion – he, he wasn't really going to be promoted that day. You know what? Jewish historians have – it's not in the Bible, but Jewish historians have said that it's likely that David was actually an illegitimate son of Jesse. And so that's the reason why they didn't bring him before Samuel. But they brought him in. And um, instantly God says, that's the one. That's the one. So God takes what we don't see as having potential. And he says, I'm going to use that to make something great, something awesome. out." Of it. A bit later on, David was, um, you know, he'd been anointed as the king, but he was, he was nowhere near that position just yet. And he was running from the king of the day, King Saul. And so David is hiding out in this cave called the Cave of Adullam. And... It says that people came to him there. They were also on the run. And it says in 1 Samuel chapter 22, so that all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented, they came and gathered around David and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Well, what it doesn't tell you just right there in that verse is that it wasn't long before when David was the king, he became the king sometime after this. And these 400 people... They became the core of of an elite military force that protected the whole nation and were part of God's great strategic plan. See, what happened is all these people were in debt, discontented and in debt. They came to David and God, he molded them into this incredible army. That's what God does. God takes what is in trouble, what's in a mess, what's not working out and he makes something great and something awesome out of that so maybe you know you've been dealt a raw deal in life maybe maybe you've had the rough end of the pineapple so to speak you know maybe things haven't worked out for you like Jacob maybe maybe you were like Ruth saved out of a out of a culture that was totally ungodly and you're saying to yourself well I don't have the right background how can God ever use me in my life maybe maybe you've been overlooked for promotion like David or maybe you've been in debt in distress, or maybe just flat out discontented. Maybe you still are today. You know, God can use you. 
Don't, don't rule yourself out. Don't say God would never use me because he will. That's where he, he loves to work with that. It's a, it's a great sign that God has a plan and a purpose for your life if you're in any of those categories that I just mentioned. And it's because he doesn't start off with your glory, your achievements, your accolades, your gifts and abilities and qualifications and reputation. He starts off with what he wants to do in your life and then he builds on that into the future. Second point I want to mention this morning. So God starts off, often starts off with what we see as rejected or unaccepted or passed over. Second thing is we all need to understand that we are training to reign. That wherever you're at right now, God is doing something in your life to to bring you into his purposes and his plans for your life. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is talking to his young protege, Timothy. (coughs) And he says to him, Timothy, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I'm preaching. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I love that. I just I love that verse. It's so powerful. God's word cannot be constrained or held back. God's word will will go out. It will it will be heard. So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. So this is my point this morning, friends. I believe that God is setting you up to reign with him. And this is not the only place where it's mentioned in the Bible. There are a number of other places where it says, we will reign with him. He wants to share his glory with you. Kings and queens in his, in his presence. We will reign with him. But then it also says, if we endure hardship, we will reign with him. So here's, that's my point, that we are preparing, God is preparing you for rulership, for the glory that he wants to give you. And that training may well involve some hardship along the way. And so if we see, if we see the end from the beginning, you can get through things, can't you? You know that if you're going through something right now, maybe you're going through a circumstance right now. Maybe it's a season of life or a part of your life where you're thinking, oh man, how am I ever going to get through this? Or what's going to become of me? Or, or what will happen here? Man, and you're thinking that. And I'm saying to you, if, if you know that God has ultimately got an awesome plan and a destiny and a future for you, you know that you can get through something, whatever it is that you're going through right now. It may well be a part of God's process to prepare you for what is ahead. And I was thinking about this illustration before. Um, so years ago, when we were living in Toowoomba and God was just stirring our hearts to, to move. Uh, I was on the staff of a church, actually a church that met right here in this building at that time and uh, God was stirring our hearts to, to, to move to Victoria and take on another church then, which we had an opportunity they'd invited us to come and take on this church in Victoria um, and so that was, that was amazing but about the same time I was also working as a contractor installing air conditioning and, um, uh, and so I'd put in a quote in for this big job uh, to install 
air conditioners in schoolhouses in far western Queensland. I'm talking Dirranbandi and Hungerford and places like that out there. And so um, the opportunity arose for us to go to Victoria and take on this church. And more or less at the same time, uh, I, I heard that I'd been accepted to do this other work. And it was worth quite a lot of money. Um, the amazing thing is that the person who ended up doing the job is, with, is visiting with us this morning, Rodney. And it's just awesome that you guys are here. <laughs> and um, Angela Mum, uh, Auntie Beryl. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, I meant to mention this before, but uh, we are honoured to have this amazing lady with us um, who's 101 years old. And uh, she is with us this, this today. And I just think that is so amazing. And some of Dell's other relatives as well. So anyway, um, so I had to make a decision, you know, whether I would accept this work, you know, or I would do what I felt God had put in my heart. And, I, and so I, I, it was, it, I just had to do what God was showing us to do. And so, you know, there's a cost around those things when you do But I, I know this, that when you, every decision that you make to follow God in your life is part of the process of other decisions later on. Because there were other decisions later on that we had to make that were also challenging. And I, and I believe that you know, God was preparing me in that one decision for future decisions. So God is training us all in, in, in following him in obedience, training for reigning. And so sometimes there are tough things around that. Sometimes the things you don't understand, things that how am I going to get through this? But if we understand we are training we can get through those things. The last point, and I'm nearly finished. We will share in his glory. We will. The Bible says that. Why does God choose people who are rejected, overlooked, passed over by others? Number one, so that none of us can glory in ourselves, but so that we will glory in him. Number two, God knew that his own son would be despised and rejected by people. So we're actually in good company with Jesus, because he was despised. He was passed over. He was rejected. The Bible says that he came to his own. You know, you know um, uh, finding your tribe is really important in today's modern society. Finding your tribe, people you can really relate to. You know, Jesus came to his own tribe, the Jewish people, and they didn't want a bar of him. They rejected him. How does that feel? Not that great. God knew that his own son would be rejected by the people that he'd made. And so when we suffer the same things, it's okay. You've got Jesus in your heart. You can get through that. The third reason why God chooses things that are overlooked by others is that his long-range plan is to bring many sons and daughters into glory. And this is one of the scripture I really want to share with you this morning. His ultimate purpose was to bring you into his glory. Let's read it, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, that word many is significant. It shows that in heaven there will be a lot of people. You know, you look around society today and you think, oh, where's all the Christians? Just, just, just ignore that, folks. Just ignore that because I want to tell you, God's plan, he's going to bring many sons and daughters to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation or the captain or the author of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So Jesus was perfected through the things that he went through. 
But God's plan is to bring you and I into his glory. So he, that's why he doesn't start off with us. We're not already glorified. He starts off with wherever you are. His plan is to bring you into his glory. That's what he wants to do. God's salvation. It's a new and living way, the book of Hebrews tells us. And that's why it says that Jesus is the author of our salvation. In other words, he's the creator of a new way of saving people. That is taking people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's something we should all celebrate. And I think it's, it's amazing also that, you know, that God, um, Jesus voluntarily laid aside the position that he had in heaven and came down to us. Sometimes people think that God is like high and mighty, don't they? They think, oh, God is up there. He's, he's high and mighty, you know, away from, we, we could never sort of attain to that. That's the, that, that. That may be true in a sense, but you know what? Jesus came down to us so that he could take hold of us and lift us up. To, to be with God. There's a great verse in the book of Psalms that says, His humility, by, by His humility, He made us great. He stooped down to make us great. Uh, God did that for us, to reach down to us. You know, in, um, in the very early days of Australian settlement in, in Sydney, uh, times were pretty tough for people there. And, and there was a couple who'd been actually sent from England out to Australia to escape uh, the poverty and unemployment where they were. It was, was pretty bad over there where they were. And they settled in a, in a block in the outer suburbs of Sydney in the late 1800s. And Mrs Smith uh, was making a apple pie out of some crab apples that someone had given her. And she threw the cores out the window. Just They were you know, discarded apple cores, just threw them out. Later on, a seedling grew up. They couldn't explain why, but the apples that were produced by that seedling were the most amazing apples that they'd seen. They'd never been seen before. And uh, they started selling them, and everyone loved them, and they, became, they, were, they were just amazing green apples. And they went all around the world. And um, today, the, the, the Granny Smith apple is the, is the third most popular apple in the world, some say. So here's the point. What was cast out and thrown away and rejected became the most amazing, fruitful, productive thing. That's what God does. God does that for us. He does that for you and for me. And so, you know, you might have thought, how, how could I ever be used by God? Or maybe, maybe you know, you've, you've struggled in the other way and said, oh, and maybe you've been a bit prone to thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Well, all of us, we've got to realize that God... Is great, you know, and, and he wants to do something great in our, in our lives. Maybe you're going through something right now um, and you're struggling with something right now and, and he's saying, you can get through this. You can because I've got an awesome plan. I've got an amazing plan for your life. Maybe God is showing you that no matter where you've come from, he can make something beautiful from your life right now. I wonder if we have our creative team to come back um, right now. We're going to just to sing that song which says, you know, because you're with me, I will not fear. I remember when God, uh, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so strongly. I was at a conference and we were singing that song. And it just became, just really came to life in my heart. Because you're with me, I will not fear. doesn't matter what's happening, what's going on around. Because you're with me, I will not fear. I won't be afraid. So...
Why don't we stand up this morning?